I am your host, Dr. Saran Nataki. Welcome to Power 365, Phenomenal Woman Wednesday. This podcast will address topics ranging from what is a phenomenal woman? Are you enough? Community service, paying it forward, the manifestation of dreams through words and action, the power in being a woman, fashion, and much more. Stay tuned. Phenomenal. Phenomenal woman. It's Phenomenal Wednesday. This episode, I continue my discussion with Dr. Jesse Baker on Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, and his overall perspective on community. Stay tuned. We would read that and just kind of go on with your day. Like, uh, okay. Uh, you know, um, you know, you, you're angry. You kind of have, you feel a way about it, but then, you know what, now what do we do? <laughs> you know, what, what do we do? We kind of have to go on I, uh, with it. I was, I had this friend when I lived in Charleston, South Carolina for a year. Um, and we went to a uh, farmer's market in Charleston, awesome farmer's market. And we we're going back to my house to just to you know prep some food and hang out or whatever Mm -hmm. and we're driving down this there's this one street in charleston i can't think of the name of it but there's a tree that is in the middle of the street like it's you know lanes go on either side of this tree they clearly left this tree for a reason right which i'm a tree hugging kid from oregon right Mm -hmm. i'm like cool yeah that's great i appreciate you didn't cut the tree down anyway so we're driving down the street and this woman i wish she's like and, and we talk about race issues all the time and, 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 you know, race issues in Southern California, very different than, than Charleston, although lots of overlap. But at any rate, um, we're driving down the street and she's like, you see that tree up there? I'm like, yeah. She's like, they used to hang black people from that tree. And I was like, oh, like, oh, buzzkill, you know, sort of like, that's, whoa, we were having this nice, like, uh, and I appreciate that, right? You know, and and it was it was this you know for me i was just like oh my god that's terrible you know i mean and the symbolism and everything right you know so we get to the house and you know we had conversation about it and prepping the food (laughs) she she comes up to me and and she's like hey man you all right and i'm like oh you know you know i'm fine like (laughs) because that was a to me that was a moment like whoa that's crazy that you have to deal with that and you know and then we talked a little about it. She's like, oh, man, I deal with that every day. If I dwell on that, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always going to be dwelling on yeah, true. things that, that are just in my face and wrong and mm-hmm. awful. And yes, I get angry, you know, but like you just learn to live with it and process it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, wow, yeah. on the daily. Yeah. You never know when. Just arise out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So what, what are your thoughts on the Black Lives Matter mo- movement? Um, you know, there's been uh, such emphasis on um, the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, especially given everything mm-hmm. that's occurred in the media as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's now the, you know, Blue Lives Matter. Um, and, and what do you, how do you perceive that, the Blue Lives Matter argument um, versus Black Lives Matter, and like, what, what's your thought on that whole dynamic? Well, first of all, you know, not be surprised to hear this. I am 100% supportive of Black Lives Matter, uh, and that's not a thing that just occurred to me in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kaepernick took a knee. I was right there, like, yep, 
mm-hmm. how could you not right, right. <laughs> you know so i i am it's fully supportive uh if you want blue lives matter i think i think our our police you know i had this argument i after george floyd you know as soon as i learned about it you know i followed sean king on instagram and mm-hmm. had been following him for a while and and that's where i learned about it initially like the very next morning or whatever mm-hmm. and i just was furious and you know made a post like this is i just watched a man get murdered this is mm-hmm. wrong yada yada blah blah you know and this <clears throat> friend of mine uh from college who i was roommates with he's you know lives in florida trump supporter and a good guy right mm-hmm. uh he's like this is one of the most uneducated things I've ever seen you heard you say, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, led to this, you know, discussion, uh, I guess, if you could say that um, in the comment section. And, and I, and I said, you know, it's 90% of cops are good cops. It's, but the 10% that aren't are, you know, they have, you know, guns and they Mm -hmm. can, are in, empowered to make deadly decisions and right. there's literally not enough accountability and da da da. Well, <clears throat> my attitude has shifted. I'm I'm actually right now and I, that's fluid. I'm not really going to marry myself to anything, but right now I don't think 90% of cops are good cops. I don't even know that there are good cops. There are good people who are want to be good cops, but the system Again, systemic racism, the mm. institution of law enforcement, institutionalized racism, is designed to where a good person can't hold a bad cop accountable, right, as a cop. So even if you want to be a good cop, you, you don't have the ability, unless you want to, you know, be ostracized, uh, nobody goes and, you know, backs you up and you get the crappy shifts and, and you know, like yeah. it's really set up to where you cannot be, anyone can be a good cop when nothing's going wrong. Like mm-hmm. a good cop in my mind is measured in those moments where you have to make life and death situations where, you know, there are these really complicated and nuanced race issues. It's not easy to be a yeah. cop. I will acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the most difficult jobs on the planet, right? To be a cop mm-hmm. in the United States. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really think just because you're a good person and, and 90% of the time you don't do anything wrong on the police force, that doesn't make you a good cop. And I know you're going to make mistakes. And that's, you know, there's training issues, there's education issues, there's background check issues that, that become a part of this. But I feel like the blue fragility, you know, we talk about white fragility or male yeah. fragility. <laughs> I think blue fragility is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember really thinking that the first time it really hit me was when um, Kaepernick was, was, you know, taking a knee and the police chief of, I believe it's Santa Clara is where the uh, giant or the um, 49ers stadium is now. He came out and he's like, we're not going to do security while this man's taking a knee. Like, and I thought, you you don't get to make that decision. You, right. you have to be right. in, like, uh, you're an impartial, do your job. You don't mm-hmm. get to take your job and, and decide who you protect and who you don't protect. Right. And I understand that you're emotional about it and that you feel insulted, but that's part of the deal. And if you can't, if you can't process that in a professional way, I understand people are going to make mistakes and what have you, but like to come right out, that means he thought about it. And he had a discussion about it with, you know, whoever it is on their, you know, team of people that makes these decisions. And then 
had a press conference to say, you know, threaten, we're not going to do security for these football games, you know, and I just thought, you're a baby. (laughs) That's not, that's not part of the deal. You, you do your job. You're getting paid to be a professional. Um, You don't hold the city of Santa Clara hostage and football fans hostage because you don't agree with, you know, what I think is a completely uh, patriotic stand that that Kaepernick was making at that time. And you see that a lot in police force, you know, like Mm -hmm. the commissioner of the New York's police department, you know, sick of this lack of respect, blah, 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 blah. you know, it, and the Kenosha sheriff, I mean, he's just a, he's a horrible human being. You know, the things that he's talking about, throwing people in warehouses forever, no, you know, recreational time. And just like said some really, I don't know if you've seen it, but mm-hmm. awful, awful things, you know, and I'm, and I, and then he comes out and says, well, I was emotional. I just seen this car chase and there was an injury. And I'm like, you had time to think about it. And if you're acknowledging being emotional about being, you know, something like that, where you have time to think about it, I, how can we trust you in a moment of, you know, where you have to make a split choice decision. Split decisions, correct. And, like, you and, know, making you know, the right, right decision, the fair decision, right? Right, right, yeah. you know. And, and there's a, I, I remember seeing this uh, picture of a, a woman who held this sign up, and I, I can't, I'm, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but she's like, and she's a black woman. She says, we live in a world where trained police officers are given the freedom to make mistakes, yet citizens have to act perfectly in moments of stress, right? Mm-hmm. And That's very true. You know, I, yeah, it's it's awful. And and one of the things I've done, and I, and I don't know how I've, because I've, uh, I've seen some some thoughts on maybe this is kind of, I don't know, glorifying violence, but I, I feel like it's almost my duty or responsibility. I watch every single video or listen to everything that I am exposed to when, um, you know, these it's mostly black men are killed, right? Mm-hmm. Not because I'm like, ooh, cool, but because they 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 experience that, and yeah. I feel like I it it it's an emotional uh, slap and a punch in the face that I need that I think we all kind of need in a sense. I mean, I don't want mm-hmm. to be and and I've recently exposed some people like, hey man, don't share that, and I don't share it, but I watch it mm-hmm. because I I just think that that you know, I don't know, it's just kind of honors there. I don't want to say, maybe that's not the right word, but but they they experienced that, right? And so I watched and listened to Philando Castile. He's the, the man in, and I, I believe it was Minneapolis, it was Minnesota. He was pulled over and he said, I have a gun in the car, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm being, you know, what, what have you. And <clears throat> he warned them and then he's like, reached for his ID and then he got shot and killed right in front of his girlfriend and kids in the back of the yeah. car. And her demeanor was remarkable. Like, I, can't, I don't know how she managed to, to, you know. And so here she's expected into, like he did every single thing he was supposed to do, exactly Correct. how he was supposed to do it. And he got killed. And so when you talk about people walking into your home, yeah. <laughs> you know you could yeah. like that's just shocking that that can happen you know yeah. but and then you listen to her reaction like her you know is it boyfriend or husband right had just been shot and killed right in front of her and mm-hmm. she still expected and somehow managed 
to hold it together to be able to comport herself in far more, you know, uh, I don't I shouldn't say professional because she's not on the job or anything, you know, but way than the police officers, yeah. you know. And, well, and she's br- she like, braced herself subconsciously. Yeah. She braced herself when they were pulled over. Yeah, because again, and that's something I don't know about another privilege. Like I don't have to learn. I'm sure you talk to your kids about here's what how you act mm-hmm. yourself when you're around a police officer. Here's what you say. Here's how you do it. You know, and I'm throwing snowballs at them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, exactly right. You know, you're throwing like, snowballs, and we're afraid. Like I, you know, right. I, I, this reminds me of something. Um, I, I gosh, I've for, kind of forgotten about this. Um, I had. My son was playing football at the time in high school and the high school was just around the corner. And um, uh, my daughters and I were you know, headed to the game and I was driving an, a new car. It happened to be um, a luxury car. My husband had just purchased it for me. And we were, um, we were you know, driving along and literally there may have been like one stop sign and a stoplight between my house and the you know the school so mm-hmm. um you know I travel this way all the time like I, I, you know it's kind of one of those paths that you can kind of drive remotely without even thinking about it you know so mm-hmm, um right. I'm, I'm driving along and i got pulled over and i'm like okay well you know, what's going on um clearly i'm looking like a suburban mom <laughs> you know i've got these right. two kids in the back and i'm you know so um i I get pulled over and the officer, you know, asked for all my credentials and everything. I, I give him, um, you know, everything he asked for. He asked who's, who this person was um, that was listed on the um, registration. And, you know, I explained that that's my husband and, um, and he just, he, he didn't seem to believe me. And he's like, well, when did you purchase the car? It, it was just so weird because I'm like, yeah. I, I am a, I mean, literally a suburb. I, to me, I was the picture of suburbia, (laughs) you know, like, I'm not threatening anybody. And so, um, so anyhow, he's, uh, he says, well, where are you headed? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to my son's football game, but can you tell me why I was pulled over? Well, you rolled through the stop sign. And I know for certain I didn't, you know? Um, so I said, well, I I don't think I did that. And he said, well, no, you rolled through the stop sign. I said, oh, okay. So then, you know, he let me go but he followed me all the way to the game, followed me to my parking space, watched me get out of the car and walk across the grass to the stadium. Now, what was that for? Uh, You know, I I, I do think about that sometimes because it's like, what was that for? Was it to prove that I wasn't going where I said I was going? Was it to make me feel uncomfortable in my own community? Was it to, what, what, did you, did he really think I had stolen the vehicle, (laughs) you know, with my kids in the back? Like, you know, um, it was just, it was an odd, you know, experience. So, um, but every time, I guess I'm saying that, sharing that to say this too, um, even when driving along, you know, I have my plates are, you know, my stickers are always up to date and, um, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm generally you know, following the rules of the road. <laughs> and, um, right. uh, I, but I still, when the police are behind me, it's honestly a sentiment of, oh, uh, here we go. 
Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, what are they up to today? You know, what are we going to yeah. do? Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's and I, and I wonder, do you do you feel that way or do when you see the officers behind you, do you just kind of like, honestly, do you do you feel that way or, or, or sometimes no? I do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do, um, you know, but I, that's it's it's not I know it's not the same as you. You know, but sometimes it's like, oh, gosh, now I can't speed. I got to drive 75, you know, because that's the limit, you know. But sometimes I think they're going to just try and find something. But Mm -hmm. um, obviously it's not the same because I so my my situation when I I mentioned it earlier, when I got the job at the College of Charleston in South Mm -hmm. Carolina, um, my car, my plates on my car were going to expire in California in like two weeks. And I didn't want to pay California registration mm-hmm. to get them up to date so that I could drive across the country and then turn yeah. around and have to register them in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And you get like a month grace period where, you know, right. pretty much everywhere, uh, you know, it's, they don't have to give it to you. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I expect I'll be given that, you know, I, yeah. and I, I hadn't really made the connection that, you know, well, I'm white. So of course I'll get it. But <laughs> I can imagine if you're not white, you'd be like, uh, why don't you just go ahead and get, take that, you know, it's going to cost you 150 bucks, but you're going to save yourself hassles. Mm-hmm. So I drove literally across the country. I made the choice consciously to drive across the country. Uh, with California plates, which, you know, every state I'm going to be driving through hates California, right? You know, (laughs) expired California plates to South Carolina. And then I got there and then for a variety of reasons, I didn't register my car. Like I could never take time off when the thing was open. And then, you know, I was riding my bike to work every day and I hardly ever drove my car. And I just was like, I'm going to push it. And then I, I, ended up resigning that position and just worked there for one year. And then I, you know, I drove home back across California, you know, the whole country again mm-hmm. with expired plan. And at this point, it's like 10 months expired when I drove back across. And I was actually in South Carolina making myself sound like a really irresponsible person here, but we're being honest. So whatever. Uh, I, I got stopped at a, like a DUI checkpoint you know, on a Friday night in Charleston somewhere. And I was like, and I hadn't been drinking. I had maybe one or two beers over three or four hours. So it wasn't, I wasn't worried about the DUI, but I was like, well, this is when it happens. This is when I get <laughs> nailed for not having the thing. Right. Uh-huh. You know? And so I stop and I'm fully expecting a thing to happen. And the guy's like, Oh, sir, you've been drinking. I'm like, no, I haven't. Let me see your driver's license. Give my driver's license, California license, California plates. I'm in South Carolina. Clearly I'm going to get hassled. Asked me a couple questions. I remember, I was like, all right, well, just be safe tonight. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I go home and then everything's fine. And then, you know, I drive back across the country and um, I'm in Newport Beach and I have my bicycle rack is on the back of my bike and it's positioned just perfectly. And I want, at this point, I'm wanting to, you know, I'm like, got, and I'm going to get my car registered, but I'm going to Haiti in three days to, to, for, you know, a month to do Mm -hmm. my work on my project down there. And I had actually allowed my, um, uh, insurance to lapse because I didn't think I could get insurance since my car wasn't registered. Right. So I get pulled over because he couldn't see my tags, man, I'm really making myself sound bad here. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, well, I'm clearly going to get my car impounded. I thought, had that thought. So I, I pulled into a gas station 
and there was an open parking spot. So I'm like, okay, great. They're not going to tow my car if it's in a spot, right? So mm -hmm. I actually found a, a spot to park my car in. And the cop gets out and he's like, yeah, I pulled you over because you're, I can't see your, your plates. I'm like, okay, well, here's the deal. Uh, you know, told him the whole thing and you know, mm -hmm. was completely honest, right? You know, mm -hmm. my, my insurance just expired. I don't, I can't get it because insurance until I register my car. And he's like, oh, no, you can. And I was like, oh, really? I didn't know that. And he's like, yeah, that's not a problem. And I'm like, well, I didn't, you know, do this because I'm going to Haiti in three days. And I pulled up my, you know, website on our, on my phone to show him because mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to think I was lying. Yeah. And so he gives me a warning. He gives me a fix-it ticket. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a fix-it ticket and I'll extend it a month so that when you get back from Haiti, uh, you can have time to get it taken care of and then just take it into the, the um, uh, you know, court date. And then you'll only have to pay like a hundred bucks or something like that. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, are you serious? Like, you can't seriously be letting me off right now. This is crazy. And he did. And so I drove away and then I went to Haiti, did my thing, came back, fixed it, still had to go to court to show him. And the guy's like, all right, well, we're going to waive all the fees and uh, you have a nice day. And I just yeah. was like, oh wow. my God, that is just not even right. Like, but I'm not going to volunteer to pay the, the fines and everything, but I just, you know, it's white, that's the whitest of privilege, right? Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's just not, <clears throat> it's to me. So when you asked me about like, what are my thoughts? You know, I feel, and you saw the video I made after mm -hmm. the, I don't know how in-depth you want to get into the thing on our friend's page, you know, but yeah. um, I do feel a sense of responsibility that I, I, and not necessarily me personally, but me mm -hmm. personally, but like white people need to be a significant voice in changing how policing is done, you know, and so I, I, I know, again, I know that there are good people. I mean, I'll say 90% of cops are probably good people that mm -hmm. want to be good cops. And I don't know if it's 90, maybe it's 60, maybe it's 85, maybe it's 92. I don't know what it is, but I do think that most of them want to be good cops, mm -hmm. but they're, they're, they're in a system where they're not allowed to be good cops by the standards that I think of them being good cops, right? So I think it's, you know, I feel the responsibility to be a part of, a vocal part of making that happen because, I mean, if it's just, this can't be looked at as a black person's issue because it's, that's 13% of the population. That's not enough of the population to speak out, you know, and we're, white people are 49% of the population right now. And so we have to be a vocal part of, of like a, a really vocal part that demands actual change because it's not okay. The, yeah. the, the systems that, that we have allowed to be built and evolve and become so enmeshed in our societal, you know, structure, it's not, it, we, can't, we can't celebrate ourselves to be a land of justice and equity for all when we have this system the way that built the way that it is. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to, they're not going to just voluntarily change. Cops aren't going to go, oh, good points. Let's, yeah, let's do all these things. You know, they're going to fight and scratch and claw to keep a hold of everything that they have. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the ear. Um, well, first of all, thank you. Um, and I like the way that you acknowledge that um, there are cops who, you know, want to be good, but um, just because of the systemic issues <laughs> uh, there there's an inability to really be fair right. um, in, in that system right. um, let me ask you have you ever um, been guilty yourself of 
microaggressions? Well, <clears throat> first of all, I'm gonna say yes, mm -hmm. because, uh, and not that I know of all, I don't know of all of them, you know, mm -hmm. but I know that I have. Um, because... Just like, make so, let me be more clear. Like, so in, um, okay. as you have become more aware, you, you know, we evolve, we learn more. Um, have you, are you able to look back on things you may have said in certain company or, are things that, um, you know, at the yeah. time you felt were totally fair, but in retrospect, you're like, oh, that was, that was awful. Like, or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can give you a, a great example, I think. And mm -hmm. so you tell me if it's a great example or not. I have a, a really good friend, um, you know, when I was living in, in the Bay area, she's, um, was living in Oakland mm -hmm. and, uh, she is a black woman and she, will not allow me to call her African-American. She's like, I am black and you will refer to me as a black woman. <laughs> like, okay, that's what mm -hmm. we'll do. Um, she's of Congolese descent, uh, but raised in uh, Canada, but she loves, you know, she lived in Atlanta, she lived in Oakland, she's an engineer in tech. So she mm -hmm. encounters all kinds of racism, you know, she's a woman and she's black and she's mm -hmm. an engineer in tech, you know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we have, and she's been awesome, you know, and we have conversations about race issues all the time. And mm -hmm. um, we were having a conversation once, I'm almost embarrassed slash ashamed to acknowledge this, but again, you know, I, I, for some stupid reason, felt the need to kind of make the point that Native Americans uh, have been treated worse than black people in the United States. Now, that's wrong. First of all, it's not an accurate assessment. And I think mm -hmm. I was just trying to have a conversation with her about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to say, I don't know which one it is. And it doesn't matter. That's the point, right? Like, mm -hmm. why do you have to rank it, you know, and that's just kind of an asshole thing to do that I did. And what she allowed me to see is that um, me not just making the statement, but arguing the point, she felt like I was really diminishing her pain and mm -hmm. the things that, that she and other black people have gone through. And, you know, I wasn't sensitive to that, probably for a lot of reasons, but, you know, and I don't even know how micro it is, <laughs> but it's an aggression, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, mm -hmm. and I didn't intend it to be an aggression. I just thought, oh, well, here's an interesting talking yeah. point. Let's go over this one, you know? And, yeah. Um, because it you really know, doesn't, it's not a competition, right? <laughs> like, no, so, yeah. no, 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 not at yeah. all. Why? Why would I need to make that point? That's not, this is just a few years ago, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so like, and, and fortunately, you know, she was, she, you know, called me on it and we had mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a, a pretty intense discussion about it. Yeah. And, um, and we were better off for it, you know, better mm -hmm. friends and, and what have you, you know, mm -hmm. and I needed that, that slap in the face. And I know that, you know, another thing is, I think, when white people, we, when we try to talk about, when we talk about racism, we're gonna say something stupid. Mm -hmm. That's just, I, we don't, I don't know when I'm gonna do it. I don't know what it's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it, mm -hmm. you know, but it's gonna happen. And Because um, your lens is different. Yeah, and, uh -huh. and we're, we're not exposed, right? We don't, yeah. how could we possibly know, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's just something that, that I've accepted as a, a reality. And, and I think what we have to do when we do that, we have to be humble about it and acknowledge mm -hmm. it and not be so defensive about it. You know, that's, that's a huge problem, I think. Yeah. That white people really get so defensive about 
I'm not a racist. I didn't do that. I've done nothing wrong. Don't accuse it. It's like, dude, this isn't supposed to be easy. It shouldn't be comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're all guilty of a lot of things that need to be flipped around and we're going to make mistakes in that process. And I, you know, it's, I've never actually experienced someone of color who has held it against me because I think when we talk about it, like if, because we process it now, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. necessarily know, but like when we go through it um, and talk about it, like my friend who I was just telling you about, you know, I mean, she doesn't hold it against me because it was an honest moment, you know, and we were Mm -hmm. able to go through it and I didn't, I don't hold on to my point. Like I'm learning, I'm learning. All right. I don't know everything. And, and there's a lot of stuff that, that um, is out there that, to, there's no way I could know everything. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure, you know, I, I know I make, that. I know I do. Yeah. But I, I don't know them all the time when I do it. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. yeah, no. So so it sounds like what you're saying is that um you appreciate being called to the carpet and maybe that's something that um we as black people um might need to do um more often. Um, in a responsible way. But I also you know. acknowledge that that puts a lot of pressure on you. It does. You know, because, and it's not, and like, like even with, you know, recently, like I've been pretty vocal in my, in my friend group and on Instagram mm-hmm. and on Facebook about my, my views and, and how yeah. we need to flip things around. And I have, I've had friends reach out to me, um, you know, white friends who are like, okay, look, I know you work in this field. You've been doing work in Haiti and you've been vocal Mm -hmm. for a long time and you read on this stuff. I want to learn more. And, uh, or some of them will debate me on certain things or what, and I'm exhausted. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like think about, you know, like I'm sure you are the one black friend to a number of white people. Right. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like if I can get exhausted, I can't imagine what, you know, people of color go through when, oh, shit, I got 35 white friends all, you know, inboxing me at the same time on these intense <laughs> issues, and they want me to yeah. be totally polite in how I respond, you know, and so. It gets you know, interesting I, I because, um, yeah, there's, you know, I have friend groups that are very progressive, very much further along, and I would consider you in that bucket. Um, and then I have friend groups that are that think they are, but really mm-hmm. aren't. And mm-hmm. then there's a, a really tiny dot bucket of minority who because um, I, I honestly I, I have a zero tolerance policy on right. um, bigotry of any type. Um, and right. so um, but there's a really small portion that, um, you know, there's some potentials there that I've like, wait, what was that? <laughs> you know, what was that that well, you like just the, said? Like, you know, like that, the teacher that... you were talking about, like yes. what about her? How would you yes. classify that? You know? Yes. Um, so um, I don't, did I share that on the podcast or that was a conversation we had um, earlier? I can't I don't remember, but, but I'll just, I'll just, I don't think so. I don't think I did. So, yeah. the, so the teacher, what, what Jesse's referring to is um, one of my, my daughter's teachers, <laughs> Wow. No, I didn't say this because right. I think it's a, <laughs> she, um, she, they were covering the, this was a middle school and they were covering a unit in social studies regarding Harriet Tubman. And she said that she was, she asked if I, myself and another parent could come in and sing old Negro spirituals because 
um, you know, she had never been a slave and she wants to get it right. And so, and so that's what Jesse's referring to. Um, and, you know, obviously I haven't been a slave either. And, um, and, and so um, there's that. So I, I, I managed that situation and um, with her, we had a very, very uh, in-depth conversation. But yeah, so what you're referring to is that I had the opportunity of getting to know her prior to this situation arising. And so because I got to know her prior to that point, I, you know, there was, you know, that part of me that was like, okay, she's just really ignorant, you know, and this is an opportunity to educate her um, on this. And so, so I I allowed that. Um, But then, you know, so there's, there's these different groups of people that, um, and I'm very, I'm pretty upfront when it comes to these kinds of things. I I will, I speak out about it. You know, I have a very, a very, very dear friend who, um, she she and I have very different opinions about Trump and his intentions. To me, it's very, 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 very clear um, that his intentions are not to benefit anyone of color, anyone that doesn't look like himself, anyone that doesn't um, align with the economic profile that matches his own. Um, he's just not about equity, um, equality in, in any type of way. Um, and so uh, he, he's against everything that's not um, in his bucket of wonderful. And so mm-hmm. um, that's my opinion. And so, I would agree with you. Yeah. So, um, so her opinion, though, is very, um, she skirts the line. Like, it's, you know, oh, well, maybe it's because he's a New Yorker. So he's, you know, very, you know, he's just a direct comedian. No, 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 no. That's mm-hmm. not it. Because I have family right. from, my family lives in New York. I have hundreds of cousins that live in New York. And no one talks like that. Um, and right. uh, no one's running around because they're from New York grabbing women by the you know what, you know, um, or saying that they do, uh, or even right. describing it that way. Um, and, and they're just, there's just other things that she's just really um, not really defending him, but providing rationale and context. And so um, we spent, we have spent a lot of time in conversation about it and really um my goal has been to give her an opportunity to see it differently um and and one reason that i've invested so much time in this particular person is because we have a different relationship outside of politics that is really meaningful and so Mm -hmm. um yeah so so that's real that's important to me in terms of the integrity of our friendship, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, I offer her the opportunity to see it differently, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting to hear, um, differing perspectives on, um, on various micro. Also, this particular person came to my defense, um, uh, as a, as a woman, um, as a professional woman, um, mm-hmm. in the, in the workplace. Um, she happens to be a white female. So, um, you know, we have a, a different vantage point with respect to ethnicity, but as 
being professional women, we share a lot of commonalities. And so um, there are some things that, of course, she does get, but um, just that part is um, we're we're still learning. Just, you know, I, I feel. Well, that's the thing, you know, I mean, there are people who like, and I have friends, like I have some friends who, you know, who are, I guess, aware, maybe white friends, right, who might even be more aware than me. And they are just have zero tolerance for anyone that makes a mistake. And they're like, that's it. You're out. You're out of my life. F you, yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know that that's like, if that's what you got to do with your, I'm, who am I to judge? But like, I have people in my life that are friends. Some of them are colleagues. Some of them are family members mm-hmm. that Uh, that I know they have goodness in their heart and they want to be, you know, an ally or whatever the proper term is or supportive, you know, and, but they need help getting there. And Mm -hmm. so I don't want to shut things down and I'm not perfect. Right. You know, like I don't have it. I'm not like, Oh, just if everyone, all white people are like Jesse, everything, we'd have zero problems. That's not the solution (laughs) because I'm not the thing, you know? So like it's to me, I feel like, all right, I'm going to help people that that I see want to learn and improve, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some people that's it. I'm just locked in. F you. Yeah. Yeah. Blue lives matter. (laughs) Black lives are terrorists. It's a, you know, like, (laughs) okay, well, I'm not going to waste time on that person. And, and, you know, I'm actually, I'm at the point now where I'm calling people out. Right. And um, I've seen that, but I want, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. And, but I want to help people that want Mm -hmm. to, you know, be be a part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, Mm Um, and I want people to help me too, yeah. right? Like I, who am I? Like I don't know everything. So, yeah. I, and we need we need some unity. And right now, that's just yeah. we're not moving in that direction. We're moving in the in a really kind of scary direction yeah. of division and divisiveness and anger and mm-hmm. violence. And um, I I understand it. Trust me. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know, but like yeah. that's not going to solve problems ultimately. Please stay tuned for part three with Dr. Jesse Baker as we wrap up our discussion. Stay tuned. I believe that every woman gives the universe with her own strengths and unique characteristics. Simply because she is born, the universe benefits. Every woman is growing, learning, and evolving. Only positive seeds are sown here, no matter how flawed the soil. Phenomenal. Phenomenal woman. It's Phenomenal Wednesday. Tune in Wednesdays. Phenomenal Woman Wednesday podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You may also visit our website at www.pwwr365.com. Follow us on Instagram at pwwr365. Please be certain to rate, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. Take care.